I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, welcome to the Mansion of Leaves of Glen. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. That's where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. Wow, I had a tough time saying that. Uh, this week, we're going to, by God, we're going to finish the last two chapters of The Hound of the Baskervilles by Arthur Conan Doyle. The last two cha- I don't care if it takes three hours, an episode no one's going to listen to. Uh, to finish this damn book. I want to get it behind me. I have other stuff I want to read. Fun things. Things that don't piss me off. Want to learn about the author? Okay. Sir Arthur Ignatius Conan Doyle was born the 22nd of May, 1859. Died the 7th of July, 1930. Oh, he's a British writer and physician. <laughs> he created the character Sherlock Holmes in 1887 for A Study in Scarlet, the first of four novels and 56 short stories about Holmes and Dr. Watson. 56 the Sherlock Holmes stories are milestones, every single one of them, in the field of crime fiction. Want to hear fun facts? No, I got no fun facts. This book has gone on forever, and I've run out of fun facts. Like, what, what am I going to get? What kind of socks he like to wear? I don't care about that. Did, did he wear a, a smart cravat? No one cares. So, I'm going to talk about myself. Uh, I took forever, but uh, I went to go get a booster shot. So I finally did it. Because the thing is, uh, you get a booster shot, and then you, like, feel sick for a day afterwards. Uh, mostly you just get a fever, and you're a little achy, and your skin kind of feels like sandpaper when your clothes rub on it. And you're like, oh, eh. And it can kind of ruin your weekend. So it's like, I don't want it. No, it's getting too close to the weekend. I don't want to have it. So, uh, but I decided to go and get it today, because then it'll be out of the way by Friday. And uh, But the one thing to look forward to when you get a booster shot is you get the fever, you get the, the scratchy skin, and you're just sleepy and stuff, uh, is your naps. The naps are heavenly. Oh, God, there's nothing better than putting on a, a snuggly. It's this giant hoodie thing that I bought for my kids, and neither one of them wanted, so I wound up having two snugglies. Uh, it looks like a giant hoodie. looks ridiculous. Uh, but, man, you put that thing on, you curl up in bed, and, uh, and you just lay there. You get the chills because you're going through this whole thing. And you just get the fever. And you have the best nap of your entire goddamn life. Uh, so that's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow, most likely, even though I have work to do. Who gives a shit? Uh, I got boosted. And now I'm going to have the best naps of my life for 24 hours. And I can't freaking wait. How much time is left in the goddamn... Oh, my God, there's a ton of time still left. Uh, I had guests on a few weeks ago uh, for the thing Ben and I do, and um, they were bragging about how they're in Canada and, oh, how they're so much smarter than America. Why are they smarter? Because they're not running around getting COVID all the time like I did, and now every other kid in my house has gotten COVID. Uh, oh, sure. Oh, they're smug. Oh, they're so smug until the day 
all their truckers decided to have a protest because they don't want to be vaccinated. There were swastikas flying off trucks and people being jerks to statues of things that I'm not familiar with uh, and all sorts of stuff. So, ha ha, screw you, Canada. You're just as bad as we are. You're going to have to admit that someday. Uh, God, the grandfather clock's still not going. I pretty much run out of shit to say. Well, I've had someone once tell me, oh, I think the grandfather clock bit's hilarious because you're in control of the sounds and stuff on your podcast. Uh, You don't have to have the grandfather clock take so long. And I said, yeah, I do. It's not a bit. I'm just too lazy to drag the clock up on the timeline so that I can be wrapped up. I literally make myself keep babbling till the damn thing goes off because I'm too lazy to do any more editing than I already have to do. So the grandfather clock time stays. So yes, I'm pissed off for real. I've run out of stuff to say during the grandfather clock. I'm looking at the timeline now, and I'm just getting closer. Any minute the grandfather clock's going to go off right about now. Oh, thank God. With that, let's spend the next nine hours finishing this goddamn book. No intro talk. Let's just dive into this turd fest. Uh, chapter 14. Ooh, ooh, the Hound of the Baskervilles. Finally getting to the point. Yay. One of Sherlock Holmes' defects. He has a defect. If indeed one may call... Oh, so he's already caught on him out. Uh, hold on. Looking at my watch. There's a person at my front door. Don't give a shit. I have to finish this freaking book. One may call it a defect, uh, was that he is exceedingly loath to communicate his full plans to any other person until the instant of their fulfillment. Partly, it came, no doubt, from his own masterful nature, which loved to dominate and surprise those who were around him. Partly, also, from his professional caution, which urged him never to take any chances. Ah, the result, however, was very trying for those who were acting as his agents and assistants. I have often suffered under it, but never more so than during the long drive into darkness. The great ordeal was in front of us. At last, we were about to make our final effort. And yet, Holmes had said nothing. Oh, I could only surmise that his course of action would be, oh, my nerves thrilled with anticipation at the, <laughs> at the last cold wind upon our faces in the dark. Ugh, starting to kind of sound a little bit sexual. Uh, void spaces on either side. He gets excited when someone's dominating him and being manipulative. That's what I don't like about it. Void spaces on either side of the narrow road told me that we were back upon the moor once again. Every stride of the horses and every turn of the wheels was taking us nearer to our supreme adventure. Our conversation? That was hampered by the presence of the driver of the hired wagonette so that we were forced to talk of trivial matters when our nerves were tense with emotion and anticipation. Oh, oh, it was a relief to me after the unnatural restraint when we at last passed uh, Frank Land's house and knew that we were drawing near to the hall and to the scene of action. He's saying action a lot. I hope something exciting happens because they're really building it up with action words. Action words like the word action. We did not drive up to the door, but got down near the gate of the avenue. The wagonette was paid off and ordered with it to return to Coombe Tracy forthwith. While we started... Can you hear the dog upstairs? Look, I apologize to you listeners. 
Yeah, the dog's up there. God knows what he's doing. He's probably humping a pillow on the couch. Coob Tracy forthwith while we started to walk to the mayor pit house. Are you armed, Lestrade? The little detective smiled. As long as I have my trousers, <laughs> I have a hip pocket. And as long as I have my hip pocket, oh, I have something in it. I get it, a gun. Good! My friend and I are also ready for emergencies. Well, you're mighty close about this fair, Mr. Holmes. What's the game now? Oh, oh, a waiting game. My word, it does not seem a very cheerful place, said the detective with a shiver, glancing round him at the gloomy slopes of the hill and at the huge lake of fog which lay over the Grimpen Mire. I see lights. Have a house ahead of us. That is Meripit House. And the end of our journey, I must request you walk on tiptoe and not talk above a whisper. Well, he moved cautiously along the track, or we moved cautiously along the track as if we were bound to the for the house. Uh, but Holmes halted us when we were about, ooh, I don't know, 200 yards from it. This will do, said he. These rocks upon the right make an admirable screen. Uh, wait here? Yes, and we shall make our little ambush here. Get into this hollow, Lestrade, and you have been inside the house, have you not, Watson? How can you tell the position of the rooms? What are those lattice windows at the end? Uh, I think they're the kitchen windows. And, and the one beyond, which shines so brightly? Uh, that is certainly the, uh, the, <clears throat> the dining room. Uh, the blinds are up. Uh, you know the lie, lay of the land best. Uh, creep forward quietly and see what they are doing. But for heaven's sake, oh, don't let them know that, that they are watched. Uh, yeah. I tiptoed down the path and stooped behind uh, the low wall which surrounded the stunted orchard. Uh, creep, uh, creeping in the shadow, I reached a point whence I could look straight through the uncurtained window. There were only uh, ooh, two men in the room. Sir Henry and Stapleton. Uh, they sat with a profile towards me on either side of a round table. Uh, both of them were smoking cigars, and coffee and wine were in front. Coffee and wine were in front of them. Gross. That's the weirdest mixture. Is that like a pre-Red Bull and vodka situation? Back in ancient times. Stapleton uh, was talking with animation, but the baronet looked pale and distraught. Yeah, distraught, not distraught. Distraught. I'm gonna look that one up. What does just straight mean? Just not straight? You're bent? Uh, distracted or absent-minded? Uh, okay, fine. Well, that was a waste of all of our time. <coughs> oh, looks like my booster shot's kicking in. Perhaps the thought of that lonely walk across the ill-omened moor was weighing heavily upon his mind. As I watched them, Stapleton rose and left the room, while Sir Henry filled his glass again and leaned back in his chair, puffing at his cigar. I heard the creak of a door, and the crisp sound of boots upon gravel, and the steps passed along the path on the other side of the wall, which under I uh, crouched. Looking over, I saw the naturalist pause at the door uh, of an outhouse, gross, in the corner of an orchard, pervert, stop watching him poop. A key turned in a lock, and as he passed, uh, in there was a curious scuffling noise from within. Oh, he was only a minute or so inside, and then I heard the key turn once more, and he passed me and re-entered the house. I saw him rejoin his guest, and I crept quietly back to where my companions were waiting to tell them what I had seen. You say, Watson, that the lady is not there, Holmes asked when I had finished my report. No. Uh, where could she be, then, since there is no light in any other room except the kitchen? Well, she can sit in the dark. She's a human being. She's natural. Maybe she's depressed. I cannot think where she is. Well, maybe she's depressed, sitting in her bedroom. I have said that over the great Grimpen Mire there hung a dense white fog. 
It was drifting slowly in our direction and banked itself up like a wall on that side of us, low but thick and well-defined. Uh, the moon shone on it, mm-hmm. and it looked like a like a great shimmering ice field mm-hmm. with, heads upon it, uh, with, with heads of the distant tours of rocks borne upon its surface. Holmes' face was turned toward it, and he muttered impatiently as he watched its sluggish drift. It's, it's moving towards us, Watson. Is that serious? Oh, very serious indeed. The one thing upon this earth which could have disarranged my plans. Oh, he can't be very long now. It's already uh, 10 o'clock. Our success and even his life may depend upon his coming out before the fog is over the path. Oh, the night was clear and fine above us. Oh, the stars shone cold and bright while a half moon hmm, bathed the whole scene in a soft, uncertain light. Before us lay the dark bulk of the house, its serrated roof and bristling chimneys hard outlined against the silver-spangled sky. Broad bars of golden light from the lower windows stretched across the orchard and the moor. Uh, one of them was suddenly uh, shut off, eh, and the servants had left the kitchen. Uh, they only made the lamp in the dining room where the two men, the murderous host and the unconscious guest, still chatted over their cigars every minute. That white, woolly plain which covered one half of the moor was drifting closer and closer to the house. Well, already the first thin wisps were curling across the golden square of the lighted window, and the farther wall of the orchard was already invisible, and the trees were standing out of a swirl of white vapor. As we watched uh, it, the fog wreaths came crawling round both corners of the house and rolled slowly into one dense bank on which the upper floor of the roof floated like a, like a strange ship upon a shadowy sea. Hmm. Holmes... "'struck his hand passionately upon the rock in front of us "'and stamped his feet in impatience. "'Now, if he isn't out of the quarter of an hour, uh, "'the path will be covered. "'In half an hour, we won't be able to see our hands in front of us. "'Shall we move further back upon higher ground? "'Yes, I think it would be well.' "'So, as the fog bank flowed onward, "'we fell back before it until we were uh, half a mile from the house, "'and still that dense white sea with the moon silvering its upper edge.' "'swept slowly and inexorably on. Uh, "'We're going too far,' said Holmes. "'We dare not take the chance of being overtaken "'before he can uh, reach us. "'At all costs, we must hold our ground where we are.' "'He dropped on his knees, weird, "'and clapped his ear to the ground, weird. "'Thank God, I think I can hear him coming. "'That's not how that works. "'A sound of quick steps ah, broke the silence of the moor. Uh, "'Crouching among the stones, "'we heard intently at the silver-tipped bank in front of us. "'The steps grew louder, "'and through the fog as though a, through a curtain.' There stepped a man whom we were awaiting. He looked round him in surprise as he emerged into the clear starlit night, and then he came swiftly along the path, passed close to where we lay, and uh, went up along the slope behind us. And he walked, he glanced continually over either shoulder like a, like a, like a, like a, like a man uh, who is uh, mm, <clears throat> ill at ease. Hissed, cried Holmes, and I heard the sharp click of a cocky pistol. Look out, it's coming. There was a thin, crisp, continuous patter from somewhere at the heart of the crawling bank. Oh, the cloud was within fifty yards of where we lay, and we glared at it, all three uncertain what horror was about to break from the heart of it. Well, this is kind of dramatic. Look, he's actually got some good writing skills. I was at Holmes' elbow, and I glanced for an instant at his face. It was pale and exultant, his eyes shining brightly in the moonlight, but suddenly they started forward in a rigid, fixed stare, and his, 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 his lips parted in amazement. And at the same instant, Lestrade gave a yell of terror and threw himself face downward upon the ground. Big 
dork. I sprang to my feet, loser, and insert my hand, grasping my pistol, and my mind paralyzed by the dreadful shape which had sprung out upon us from the shadows of the fog. A hound it was, an enormous coal-black hound. But not, uh, not uh, such a hound as mortal eyes have never seen. A uh, fire burst from its open mouth. Well, then it's not, uh, uh, it, that it definitely is a hound as mortal eyes have never seen. Its fire is bursting from its mouth. Uh, its eyes glowed with the smoldering glare and its muzzle and hackles. Uh, and dewlap. What's a dewlap? Now I gotta look that one up. This is gonna be worth our time. A uh, fold of loose skin hanging from the neck. Oh, uh, a withers. I've heard that term before, withers were outlined in a flickering flame. Never in the delirious dream of a disordered brain could anything more savage, more appalling, more hellish be conceived uh, uh, than the dark form, the savage face which broke upon us in the, in the wall of fog. Oh, with long bounds, the huge black creature was leaping down the track, following hard upon the footsteps of our friends. So paralyzed were we by the apparition that we allowed him eh, to pass before we recovered our nerve. Then Holmes and I both fired together. And the creature gave a hideous howl, which showed that uh, one at least had hit him. He did not pause, however, but bounded onward, far away on the path. We saw Sir Henry looking back, his face uh, white in the moonlight, his hands raised in horror, glaring helplessly at the frightful thing which is hunting him down. Uh, but that cry of pain from the hound had blown all of our uh, fears to the winds. If he was vulnerable, he was mortal. And if we could uh, wound him, we could kill him. Never have I seen a man run as Holmes might uh, ran that night, and I am reckoned fleet of foot uh, that he outpaced me as much as I outpaced that little professional. Ah, in front of us, we flew up the track, and we heard the scream after scream from Sir Henry and the, the deep roar of the hound. It was, it was, it, I was in time to see the beast spring upon its victim, uh, hurl him to the ground, and uh, worry at his throat. Worry at his throat? That's a weird thing, way of saying it. Uh, but the next instant, Holmes had emptied five barrels of his revolver into the creature's flank. With the last howl of agony and a vicious snap in the air, it rolled upon its back, four feet pawing furiously, and then fell limp uh, upon its uh, side. I stooped, panting, and, uh, and pressed my pistol to the dreadful shimmering head, uh, but it was uh, useless to press the trigger. The giant hound was dead. Uh, Sir Henry lay insensible where he had fallen. Uh, we tore away his collar, and Holmes breathed a prayer of gratitude when we saw that there was no sign of a wound and that the rescue had been in time. Already our friend's eyelid shivered, and he made a feeble effort to move. Lestrade thrust his brandy... Oh, he's back up off his face. Flan uh, brandy flask between his baronet's teeth, and uh, two frightened eyes were looking up at us. My God, he whispered. Uh, what was it? What in heaven's name was it? It's dead, whatever it is, said Holmes. We laid the family ghost once and forever. In mere size and strength, it was a terrible creature which was lying stretched before us. It was not a pure bloodhound, but it was uh, not a pure mastiff, mm, eh, but it appeared to be a combination of the two gaunt, savage, and, uh, and as large as a small lioness. Even now, in the stillness of death, the huge jaws seemed to be dripping with a bluish flame, and the small, deep-set, cruel eyes were ringed with fire. Oh, I placed my hand upon the glowing muzzle as I held them up with my fingers and smoldered and gleamed in the darkness. F phosphorus I said. A cunning preparation of it, said Holmes, sniffing at the dead animal. There is no smell which might have interfered with the power of the scent. 
He, uh, we owe you a deep apology, Sir Henry, for having exposed you to this fright. I was prepared for a hound, but not for such a creature as this. And the fog gave us little time to receive him. Okay, so they starve a dog and they train him to go after a certain person. Why add the uh, phosphorus, like the burning eyes and mouth? What's the point? What do you gain from that? Uh, what, in case the guy escapes? And then he's like, wow, the thing had a glowing mouth. What's the point? Just have a giant dog attack you, and if you manage to escape, you're like, my God, there's a giant dog out there trying to attack me. Is as terrifying. You don't need the glowing mouth. But whatever. Uh, if anything, the poor dog's terrified because it has phosphorus burning on this weird face mask or something, whatever the hell it's wearing. You've saved my life. Having first endanger, uh, endangered it, uh, are you strong enough to stand? Um, give me another mouthful of that brandy, and, and, and I should be ready for anything. So, now, if you will help me up, uh, what do you propose to do? I had uh, to leave you here. You're not fit for further adventures tonight. Ooh, the word adventures again. And if you will wait, one or other of us will go back with you to the hall. Well, he tried to stagger to his feet, uh, but was still ghastly pale and trembling with every limb. Uh, so we helped him to a rock. Yeah, where he sat, shivering with his face buried in his hands. Yeah, you big puss. And then uh, we must leave now, said Holmes. The rest of our work uh, must be done, and every moment is of importance. We have our case, and now we only want our man. It's a thousand and one against your finding him at the house, he continued as we retraced our steps swiftly down the path. Those shots must have told him that the game was up. I was thinking the same thing. Well, good. The, the author is actually inside the mind of the reader. He's dead but he's in my mind. We were some distance off, and this fog may have deadened him. Uh, he followed the hound to call him off. Uh, of that, you can be certain. No, no, he's gone by this time, and we'll search the house and make sure. The front door was open, so we rushed in and hurried from room to room to the amazement of the doddering old manservant uh, who met us in the passage. There was no light save in the dining room, but Holmes caught up the lamp and left no corner of the house unexplored. No sign could we see of the, of the man whom we were chasing. On the upper floor, however, one of the bedroom doors was locked. There's someone in there, cried Lestrade. I can hear, I, I can hear a movement. Uh, open this door, exclamation point. Faint moaning and rustling came from within, and Holmes struck the door just uh, over the lock with the flat of his foot. Oh, he did a little karate kick. And it flew open. Man, he's good at karate. Pistol in hand, uh, we all three rushed into the room, but there was no sign from within it that the desperate, defiant villain whom we expected to see. Instead, we were faced by an object so strange and so unexpected that we stood for a moment staring at it in amazement. The room had been fashioned into a, a, a small museum, yeah. and the walls were lined with a number of glass-topped cases full of the collection of butterflies and moths, and the, uh, the formation of which had been the relaxation of his complex and dangerous men. Uh, in the center of this room, there was, a, there was a, an upright beam, which had been placed at some period as a support for the old worm-eaten bulk of timber which spanned the roof. Uh... To this post, a figure was tied. Oh, gross. So swathed and muffled in the sheets, which had been used to secure that one could not, uh, for the moment, tell uh, whether that was a man or a woman. 
One towel passed around the throat and was secured at the back of the pillar. Another covered the lower part of the face. Uh, and, and over it, uh, two dark eyes. Uh, eyes full of grief, uh, uh, shame, and a dreadful questioning stared back at us. In a, uh, in a minute, we had torn off the gag and unswathed the bonds, and Mrs. Stapleton sank to the floor in front of us. As, uh, as her beautiful head uh, fell upon her chest, I, her head fell upon her own chest, I saw the clear red wheel of a whiplash across the neck. The brute, cried Holmes. Here, Lestrade, your brandy bottle. Put her in the chair. Uh, she has fainted from ill usage and exhaustion. Oh, yeah, this is getting pretty, pretty disturbing. Uh, she opened her eyes again. Is he safe? She asked. Has he escaped? He cannot escape us, madam. No, no, I did not mean my husband. Uh, Sir Henry, is he safe? Yes. And the hound? It's dead. She gave a long sigh of satisfaction. Thank God, thank God, exclamation points. Oh, this villain, exclamation point. Uh, see how he treated me, exclamation point. She shot her arms out from her sleeves. And we saw with horror that they were all mottled with bruises. Ah, uh, but this is nothing, nothing. It is my mind and soul that he has tortured uh, and defiled, and I could endure it at all. Uh, ill usage, solitude, and the life of deception, everything, as long as I could still cling to the hope that I had his love. But now I know that is uh, in this also I have been his dupe and his tool. She broke into a passionate sobbing as she spoke. You bear him no goodwill, madam, said Holmes. Tell us then where we shall find him, and if she'll ever aid him in evil, help us now uh, so as to atone. There is but one place where he had fled, she answered. There is an old tin mine on an island in the heart of the mire. It was there that he kept his hound, and it is there also that he made preparations so that he might have a refuge. That is where he would fly. Well, the fog bank lay like a white wool against the window. Holmes uh, held the lamp toward it. See, said he, no one could find his way to the grip of mire tonight. Uh, she laughed <laughs> and clapped her hands. <laughs> and her eyes and teeth gleamed with fierce merriment. He may find his way in, but never out, she cried. How can he see the guiding wands tonight? Oh, he planted them together, he and I, to mark the pathway through the mire. Oh, if I could only have plucked them out today, then indeed you would have him at your mercy, exclamation point. Oh, it was evident to us that all pursuit was in vain until the fog had lifted. Meanwhile, we left Lestrade in possession of the house while Holmes and I uh, went back with the baronet to Baskerville Hall. Uh, burp. That wasn't me. That was the booster shot. The story of the Stapletons could no longer be withheld from him, but he took the blow uh, bravely when he learned the truth about the woman whom he had loved. But the shock of the night's adventures had shattered his nerves, and before morning he lay delirious in a high fever under the care of uh, Dr. Mortimer. Uh, the two of them were destined to travel together around the world before Sir Henry had become once more uh, the hale, hardy man. Uh, that he had been before he became master of that ill-omened estate. And now I come rapidly to the conclusion, uh, really rapidly now, of this singular narrative, in which I have tried to make the reader share those dark fears and vague surmises which clouded our lives so long and ended in a, uh, such a tragic manner. On the morning after the death of the hound, uh, the fog had lifted, and we were guided by Mrs. Stapleton to the point where they had found a pathway through the bog. Well, it helped us to realize the horror of the woman's life when we saw the eagerness and joy with which she had laid us on her husband's track. 
we left her standing upon the thin peninsula of firm, peaty soil, which tapered out into the widespread bog. Uh, from the end of it, a small wand planted there uh, and showed that there was a path zigzag from tuft to tuft of, <laughs> of rushes among those green-scummed pits and foul quagmires, which barred the way to the stranger. Rank reeds and lush, slimy water plants sent an odor of decay and heavy miasmic vapor hmm, into our faces while a false step plunged us even uh, more uh, than once. Uh, thigh deep into the dark, quivering mire, which uh, uh, took for yards in soft mm, undulations around the feet. Its tenacious grip plucked at our heels as we walked, and we sank into it, uh, and it was uh, as if some malignant hand was tugging us down into those obscene depths. So grim and purposeful was the clutch uh, that it held onto us. Once only we saw a trace that someone had passed that perilous way before us. From amid a tuft of cotton grass which bored up out of the slime, some dark thing was projecting. Holmes sank to his waist as he stepped for the path to seize it, and uh, we had not been there to drag him out, uh, but we could never have set his foot upon the firm land again. Oh, he held it uh, an old black boot in the air. Uh, Myers, Toronto, uh, was printed on the leather inside. It is worth a mud bath, said he. It is our friend Sir Henry's missing boot, thrown there by Stapleton in his flight. Exactly. He retained it in his hand after using it to set the hound upon his track. He fled when he knew the game was up, still clutching it, and he hurled it away at this point of his flight. Oh, he knew at least his crime was so far in safety. So that's evidence that's just lucky you stumbled across. That's kind of how this whole story works. Uh, Holmes just kind of stumbles across evidence. Most of it's circumstantial. Uh, now he's actually got a boot, so that's useful, but the odds of him actually running across it are pretty slim. But whatever, nothing matters. Uh, but more than that, we were never destined to know, though there was much which we might surmise. There was no chance of finding footsteps in the mire, for the rising mud oozed swiftly upon them. But as at last reached the firmer ground beyond the morass, we all looked eagerly for them, and no slightest sign of them ever met our eyes. It was the earth uh, told a true story. Then Stapleton never reached that island of refuge towards which he struggled through the fog upon that last night. Somewhere in the heart of the great Grimpen Mire, down in the foul slime of the huge morass, which it sucked him in, uh, this cold and cruel-hearted man is forever buried. Many traces we found of him in the bog-girt island, where he had hid his savage ally. A huge driving wheel in a shaft half-filled with rubbish showed the position of an abandoned mine. Beside it were the crumbling remains of the cottages of the miners, driven away, no doubt, by the foul reek of the surrounding swamp. Uh, in one of these, a staple in a chain with a quantity of gnawed bones showed where the animal had been confined. A skeleton with a, with a, with a, a, a tangle of brown hair adhering to it lay among the debris. A dog, said Holmes, by Jove. A curly-haired spaniel. Poor Mortimer will never see his pet again. Well, I do not know if this place contains the secret for which we have not already fathomed, uh, and he could uh, hide his hound, but he could not hush its voice. And hence came those cries which, even in daylight, were not pleasant to hear. On an emergency, 
Yeah, I could keep the hound in the outhouse at Mary Pitt, uh, but it was always a risk, and it was only on the supreme day, which he regarded as the end of all his efforts, that dared to do it. The paste and the tin is no doubt the luminous mixture with which the creature was daubed, uh, and it was suggested, of course, by the story of the family hellhound, and by the desire to frighten uh, old Sir Charles to death. Uh, no, uh, no wonder uh, the poor devil of a convict ran and screamed, even as our friend did, and as we ourselves might have done when we saw such a creature bounding through the darkness of the moor upon its track. Oh, it's a, it's a kind of device. Uh, for apart from the chance of uh, driving your victim to his death, uh, what peasant would venture to inquire too closely into a creature uh, should he get sight of it, uh, as many have done upon the moor? Well, I guess that explains the uh, burning mouth and eyes, uh, but still, that poor dog. And I said it in London, Watson, and I say it again now, that never yet have we helped to hunt down a more dangerous man than he who is laying yonder. He swept his long arm, gross, towards the huge mottled expanse of green-splotched bog, which, which stretched away until it merged into a russet slopes on the moor. You know, hearing all about how they were trying to get what's-his-name to run down the path and they were scared that they weren't going to be able to find him because of all the, uh, the fog rolling in or whatever, uh, you know how you'd easily prevent that from spilling over like you do? I don't know, wall of glass? Wall of glass, you can have made at Door Glass Incorporated, which is doorglass.com, D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S.com. Oh, they're dedicated to fabricating professionally installing the highest quality glass products from the nation's top manufacturers. Their inventory, combined with their years of experience, makes them the premier source for installation and repair. They approach every project with the same goals, professionalism, integrity, and they're discreet. If you need to make a wall of glass, a wall of transparent glass, burp, Again, that's the uh, booster shot. That's not me. I'm usually more professional than that. Uh, they'll do it, and they won't tell anyone about it because they're discreet. Oh, they'll build a big, giant barrier of glass to keep that fog over the fuck over there. Get it out of your way when you're trying to hunt down a hound. What do they do? Commercial storefronts, automatic entrances, windows, patio doors, mirrors, shower doors, installation repair, and they'll design and build any goddamn thing you want. Do you want a wall of glass? They'll make a wall of glass. They don't care. They'll, they'll bring it in. However you need to do it. They'll bring it in on like little four-wheelers or whatever they got to do. Get out there in the bog and everything. They'll bring it in on like little boats. Doesn't matter. They'll do it if you pay them enough. Uh, they'll make whatever the hell you want, including a wall of glass to keep the fog the fuck over there. Their clients are Pottery Barn, Williams Sonoma, Sherman Williams, Portillo's, which I guess makes sandwiches. Don't care. Uh, the Salt Cave, which is a store in Minneapolis. Store, it's a place. It's a place where you go where all the walls are made of salt. You're supposed to like meditate and do yoga and a lot of other white people shit. Uh, but don't touch it. Whatever you do, don't touch those goddamn walls. They're made of salt. And if you touch them, you're going to get your hand grease all over them. And Applebee's. But with that, why don't we, why don't we take a little break? Why don't I get you upstairs? It's been a while since I've seen you. I missed you. You're great. Why don't you get up there? Bring your little, your little shapes and get that up in that bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll see you up there soon. Hold on. Hold on. I dropped my frickin' phone coming up the stairs of my mansion. I broke the corner of my screen. Oh, oh, what the hell are you supposed to be? Yeah, some sort of cowboy. You dress as a cowboy. Let me guess. You got a romance book you're going to give me about cowboys? Over here on the bed. Yeah, there it is. Star Bright by Katherine Anderson. It's got a cowboy right on the goddamn cover. 
and a couple horses running. It's got a little sticker on it. It says special value price, so that must be nice. Uh, it's probably an unheard of author that uh, just dying for someone to read their stuff, so they're going to give you a special value. New York Times bestselling author Katherine Anderson. Ugh, it's a sham. The New York Times bestselling author is always a scam. And Okay, fine. Presents an emotionally compelling story about the hard-as-nails, fiercely loyal Harrigan family. Now, faking her own death to escape a murderous husband, uh, Renee Hall uh, takes refuge in a rural community of Crystal Falls, Oregon, hmm, where she starts work as a bookkeeper on a horse ranch run by a rugged, dangerously good-looking Parker Harrigan. <laughs> Parker's word is his honor, and he can't tolerate liars... When he realizes that Renee, Rainy, Rain, I guess it's Rainy, hasn't been truthful to him, he's furious. Then, well, concerned. Clearly, she's a woman in trouble, and if she'll trust him, he'll do right by her. But as their attraction blossoms into a deep and thrilling passion, Renee, Rainy, I don't know how to pronounce this name, fears that her mere presence could jeopardize everything the Harrington, Harrigan, all these names are impossible. Family holds dear. You can find this ridiculous book. Uh, Starbright by Katherine Anderson uh, at, uh, at, at, at February 8th at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Bookshop.org, Hudson Booksellers, Indiebound, Powell's Target, and burp. Oh, another burp. Not my fault. It's the shot. Walmart! So with that, uh, take that goddamn cowboy hat off and uh, just put on some normal clothes and I'll meet you back down in the library where we can try to finish this freaking book. Oh, good, you're back. And you're still wearing the stupid hat. I hate you. Well, chapter 15, a retrospection. How much you want to bet this is a throwaway chapter that means almost nothing. Every other chapter is a recap of the previous chapter, and I have a feeling this can be the same thing. Somebody, uh, who's none of your business, said, I think that uh, the author was paid by the word, which would explain the weird doubling up of chapters. Like a clip show after you finish one. Ridiculous. A retrospection? It was the end of November, and Holmes and I sat upon a raw and foggy night on either side of a, a blazing fire in our sitting room in Baker Street. Oh, good, they're back home. Since the tragic upshot of our visit to Devonshire, we had been engaged in two affairs of the utmost importance. Uh, in the first of which, he had exposed the uh, atrocious conduct of a Colonel Upwood in connection with the famous card scandal of the non-peril club means nothing, while in the second, he had defended the unfortunate uh, Madame Montpensier uh, from the charge of murder which hung over her in, con uh, in connection with the death of her stepdaughter, Millie uh, Carriere, the young lady who, as it uh, will be remembered, was found six months later alive, oh, and married in New York. Well, my friend was in excellent spirits over the success which had attended the succession of difficult and important cases, so uh, uh, I was able to induce him to discuss the details of the Baskerville mystery. Oh, so he never talked about it? Like, even on the ride home, he's just like, shut up, not talking about it. We got other stuff to do. Just sat there quietly for like 12 days until he finally got back to London. I had waited patiently for the opportunity, for I was aware that he would never permit cases to overlap, and that his clear and logical mind would not be drawn from its present work to dwell upon memories of the past. 
Sir Henry and Dr. Mortimer were, however, in London on their way to that long voyage which had been recommended for the restoration of the shattered nerves. Oh, they called upon us that very afternoon, so that it was natural for the subject should come up for discussion. You know, God forbid Watson bring it up. I only did half your work, you turd. Explain to me what the hell happened. The whole course of events, said Holmes, from the point of view of the man who called himself Stapleton, was simple and direct, although to us, who had no means at the beginning of knowing the motives of the actions which could only learn part of the facts, it has all appeared exceedingly complex. I had had the advantage of two conversations with Mrs. Stapleton, and the case has now been so entirely cleared up that I am not aware that there is anything which has remained a secret to us. You will find a few notes upon the matter, eh, under the heading B... In my index list of cases. Oh, he's got an index list of cases. The case of the big dog. Perhaps you would kindly give uh, me a sketch of the course of events from memory. Who said that? Doesn't say who said that. Certainly. Though I cannot guarantee that I carry all the facts in my mind, intense mental concentration has a curious way of blotting out what had passed. Ah, the barrister, uh, who has his case at his fingers' ends and is able to argue with an expert upon his own subject, finds that a week or two of the courts will drive it all out of his head once more. So each of my cases displaces the last, displaces the last, and mill, career, uh, whatever, has blurred my recollection of Baskerville Hall. Great, so you're a moron. Tomorrow, you literally got chased down by a giant dog with a burning mouth and eyes. And you're like, nah, I forgot it. Tomorrow, some other little problem may be submitted to my notice, which will in turn dispossess me, uh, the fair French lady who, and, and the infamous Upwood. So far as the case of you and the hound goes, however, I will give you the course of events as nearly as I can, and will suggest anything which I may have forgotten. Man, that was wordy. My inquiries show beyond all question that the family portrait did not lie. Yeah, great. And that this fellow was indeed a Baskerville. Oh, he's the son of that Roger Baskerville, the younger brother, Sir Charles, who fled with a sinister reputation as South America, where he is said to have died unmarried. And did, as a matter of fact, marry. And he had one child. This fellow, whose real name is the same as his father's, uh, he married Beryl Garcia, uh, one of the beauties, the beauties of Costa Rica. And having purloined a considerable sum of public money, he changed his name to Vandeleur and fled to England, where he established a school in the east of Yorkshire. Uh, his reason for attempting the special line of business was that he had struck up an acquaintance with a cons- uh, consumptive tutor upon the voyage home, and that he had used uh, this man's ability to make the undertaking a success. Fraser, the tutor, died. And the school, which had begun, uh, well, sank from the dis- disrepute into infamy. The Vandalers found it uh, convenient to change their name to Stapleton and uh, brought the remains of his fortune, his schemes for the future, and his taste for entomology to the south of England. I learned at the British Museum that he was a recognized authority upon the subject and that the name of Vandalure has been preeminently attached to a certain moth which he had in his Yorkshire days, uh, been the first to describe. We now come to that portion of his life which has proved to be such intense interest to us. Oh, the fellow had evidently made inquiry and found that uh, only two lives intervened between him and the valuable estate. And when he went to Devonshire, his plans there, I believe, exceedingly hazy. Uh, but that meant mischief from the first is evident from the way in which he took his wife with him and his character, his sister. Ugh. 
The idea of using her as a decoy was clearly already in mind, though he may not have been certain how the details of the plot were to be arranged. He meant, in the end, to have the estate, and he was ready to use any tool or run any risk for that end. His, his, his first act was to establish himself as near to an ancestral home as he could, and his second was to cultivate a friendship with Charles Baskerville and uh, with the neighbors. Uh, the baronet himself uh, told him about the family hound, and so he prepared the way for his own death. Stapleton, as I will continue to call him, knew that the old man's heart was weak and that a shock would kill him. So much he had learned from Dr. Mortimer that he had heard also that Sir Charles was superstitious and had taken the grim legend very seriously. His ingenious mind instantly suggested a way by which the baronet could be done to death, and yet it would be hardly possible to bring home the guilt to the real murderer. Having conceived the idea, he proceeded to carry it out with considerable finesse, and an ordinary schemer would have been content to work with the savage hound. Uh, the use of artificial means to make the creature diabolical uh, was a flash of genius upon his part. Oh, the dog was brought to London from Ross and Mangles, uh, the dealers in Fulham Road. Uh, it was the strongest and most savage in their possession. Now he brought it down to the North Devon line and walked a great distance over the moor so they could get it home without uh, exciting any remarks. He had already on his insect hunts learned to penetrate the Grimpen Mire, and so had found a safe hiding place for the creature. Here he kenneled it and waited in his chance. But it was some time coming. Uh, the old gentleman could not be decoyed, uh, decoyed, decoyed, decoyed outside on the grounds at night. Several times Stapleton lurked about with his hound, uh, but without avail. Oh, and it was during these fruitless quests that he, or rather his ally, was seen by peasants. Ugh. And that the ledge of the demon dog received a new confirmation. Oh, he had hoped that his wife might lure Sir Charles to his ruin. But here she proved unexpectedly independent. Yeah, a woman. A woman who's independent would not endeavor to entangle the old gentleman into a sentimental attachment, which might deliver him over to his enemy. Threats. And Evie, I'm sorry to say, blows. Refused to move her. She would have nothing to do with it, and for a time, Stapleton was at a deadlock. He found a, a, a way out of his difficulties uh, through the chance that Sir Charles, who had con uh, conceived a friendship with him, made him the minister of his charity in the case of his unfortunate woman, Mrs. Laura Lyons, by representing himself as a single man. He acquired complete influence over her and gave her to an understanding that in the event of obtaining a divorce from her husband, he would marry her. Yeah, and his plans were suddenly brought to a head by his knowledge that Sir Charles was about to leave the hall. Uh, this is just a whole wrap-up of the entire book. On the advice of Dr. Mortimer, whose opinion he himself pretended to cons uh, concede. Damn it, I can't read anymore. He must act at once, or his victim might get beyond his power. He therefore put pressure upon Miss Lyons to write this letter, imploring the old man to give her an interview in the evening before his departure to London. And then by a specious, uh, why can I not say this word? Now I'm going to look it up. Specious, uh, superficially plausible, but uh, actually wrong. Specious argument prevented her from going, and so had the chance for which he had waited. Driving back in the evening from Coombe Tracy, uh, he was in time to get his hound, to treat it with the infernal paint, to bring the beast round to the gate in which he had reason to expect that he would find the old gentleman waiting. Now the dog, incited by its master, sprang over the wicked gate and pursued the unfortunate baronet, who fled screaming down to the Thew Valley. 
Uh, in that gloomy tunnel, it must indeed have been a dreadful sight to see that huge black creature with its flaming jaws and, uh, 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 and its blazing eyes bounding after its victim. Oh, he fell dead at the end of the alley from his heart disease and terror. The hound... The hound kept upon the grassy border while the baronet had run down the path so that no track but the man's was visible, and on seeing him lying still, the creature had probably approached to sniff at him, but uh, finding him dead, had turned away again. Why is he attacking them if he's not hungry? You think he'd be eating them? It was then that it left the print upon which was actually observed by Dr. Mortimer. Oh, the hound had was called off and hurried away to its lair in the Grimpen Mire, and a mystery was left which puzzled the authorities, alarmed the countryside, and finally brought the case within the scope of our observations. So much for the death of Sir Charles Baskerville. You perceive the devilish cunning of it, uh, for really it would almost be impossible to make a case against the real murderer. Uh, his only accomplice was one who could never give him away, and the grotesque inconceivable nature of the device only served to make it more effective. Both of the women concerned in the case, Mrs. Stapleton and Mrs. Laura Lyons, were left with a, with a, a strong suspicion against Stapleton. Oh, Mrs. Stapleton knew that he had designs upon the old man and also the existence of the hound. Uh, Mrs. Lyons knew neither of these things, but had uh, been impressed by the death occurring at the time of an uncanceled appointment, which was only known to him. However, both of them were under his influence, and they had nothing to fear from them. first half of his task was successfully accomplished by the more difficult still remain. It is possible that Stapleton did not know of the existence of an heir in Canada. In any case, he would very soon learn it from his friend, Dr. Mortimer, and he was told by the latter all details about the arrival of Sir Henry Basfield. Stapleton's first idea was that this young stranger from Canada might possibly be done to death in London without coming down to Devonshire at all. Oh, my God. He distrusted his wife ever since he had refused to help them for laying a trap for the old man. He dared not to leave her long out of his sight for fear that she would lose influence over her. And it was for this reason that he took her to London with them. Oh, they lodged, I find, at the Mexiboro Private Hotel in Craven Street, which is actually one of those called upon by an agent in search of evidence where he kept his life in wife in prison in a room while he disguised in a beard. Followed Dr. Mortimer to Baker Street and afterwards stationed to the Northumberland Hotel. His wife had the sudden linking of his plans, but then she had such a fear of her husband, a fear founded upon brutal ill treatment, that she did not dare to warn the man whom she knew to be in danger. If the letter should fall into Stapleton's hands, her own life would not be safe. Eventually, as we know, she adopted the expedient cutting of words with which would form the message and addressing the letter as a disguised hand. Oh, it reached a baronet who gave him the first warning of his danger. It was very essential for Stapleton to get some article of Sir Henry's attire, so that, in case he was driven to use the dog, he might always have the means of setting him upon his track. Ah, with characteristic promptness and audacity, he set about this at once, and we cannot doubt that the boots or the chambermaid of the hotel was well bribed to help him in his design. Oh, by chance, however, the first boot which was procured from him uh, was a new one, and therefore useless for his purpose. And then he uh, had returned and obtained another, uh, a most instructive incident. Since it proved conclusively to my mind that we were dealing with a real hound, there's no supposition could explain this anxiety to obtain an old boot and this indifference to a new one. Uh, the more auteur and uh, grotesque an incident is, the more carefully it deserves to be examined. And the very point which appears to complicate the case is, when duly considered and scientifically handled, uh, the one which is most likely to elucidate it. 
Oh, my God. Then when we had the visit from our friends the next morning, shadowed always by Stapleton in the cab, from his knowledge of the rooms and my appearance, as well as from the general conduct, I am inclined to think that Stapleton's career of the crime uh, has been by no means limited to this single Baskerville affair. It is suggestive that... Uh, during the last three years, there have been four considerate burglaries in the West Country, uh, uh, for none of which was any criminal ever arrested. The last of these, a Folkestone court uh, in May, was remarkable for the cold-blooded epistling of the page, who surprised uh, the masked and solitary burglar. I cannot doubt that Stapleton recruited his warding, waning resources in this fashion, and that for years he has been a desperate and dangerous man. We have an example of his readiness of resource that morning when he got away from us so successfully, and also his audacity in sending back my own name uh, to me through the cabin. From that moment, he understood that I had taken over the case in London and that, therefore, there was no chance for him there. He returned to Dartmoor and awaited the arrival of the baronet. At one moment, oh, thank God somebody else is talking. One moment, said I, you have no doubt described the sequence of events correctly. There's uh, one point which you left unexplained. Uh, what became of the hound when its master was in London? Nah, I've given some attention to this matter, and it was undoubtedly of an importance. And there can be no question that Stapleton had a confidant, uh, though it was unlikely that he ever placed himself in his power by sharing all his plans with him. There was an old manservant nah, at the Mayor Pit House whose name was Anthony. Now, his connection with the Stapletons can be traced for several years, as far back as the school mastering days, so that he must have been aware that his master and mistress were uh, really husband and wife. <laughs> And this man had disappeared and escaped from the country. Well, it's suggestive that Anthony uh, is not a common name in England, while Antonio is so, uh, is so in all Spanish or Spanish-American countries. The man, like Mrs. Stapleton himself, uh, spoke good English, but with a curious lisping accent. I am so bored right now. I have uh, myself seen this old man across the Grimpen Mire with the path which Stapleton marked out. It is very probable, therefore, that in the absence of master with who he is uh, cared for the hound, though it may never have known uh, the purpose for which the beast was used. Is this book ever going to end? The Stapletons uh, then went down, oh God, to Devonshire, where they went to the suit, followed by Sir Henry. And you, one word now as to how I stood myself at that time. It may be... It it may possibly recur to your memory eh? that when I examined the paper upon which was printed, words were fastened that I made a close inspection for the watermark. Eh? In doing so, I held it within a few inches of my eyes. It was conscious of a faint smell of the scent known as white jessamine. Oh, there were 75 perfumes, but it was very necessary that a criminal expert should be able to distinguish from each other. Really? So he's a, he's, he's a master of textiles and scents. Uh, and cases have more than once, within my own experience, depended upon their prompt recognition. The scent suggested the presence of a lady, and already my thoughts began to turn towards the Stapletons. Thus, I had made certain of the hound, and had guessed that the criminal before ever he went to West Country. I'm hoping when I turn this page, it's going to be the last page. Nope. It's my name. Uh, it's, it's my game to watch Stapleton. It was evident, however, that I should not do this if I were you, since he would be keenly on his guard. I deceived everybody. Therefore, you yourself included. And I came down secretly when I was supposed to be in London. Oh, my hardships were not so great as you imagine. Yeah, where did he poop and pee? Well, he had to have some kind of hardships because he was pooping somewhere, but there's no bucket in his little cave. 
though such trifling details like pooping and peeing must never interfere with the investigation of a case. I stayed for the most part at Coombe Tracy and only used the hut upon the moor when it was necessary to be near the scene of action. Cartwright had come down with me and in his disguise was a country boy. Oh, he was of great assistance to me and I was dependent upon him for food uh, and clean linen. (laughs) Clean linen. (laughs) Uh, when I was watching Stapleton, Cartwright was frequently watching you, so that I was able to keep my hand upon all the strings. I have already told you that your reports reached me rapidly, being forwarded instantly from Baker Street to Coombe Tracy. Uh, they were of great service to me, and especially one instantly truthful piece of biography of Stapleton's. I was able to establish the identity of the man and the woman and knew at last exactly how I stood. The case had been considerably complicated through the incident of the escaped convict and the uh, relations between them and the Barrymores. So uh, you cleared up in a very effective way, uh, though I had already come to the same conclusions from my own observations. So yeah, basically, thanks for going out there. I already knew everything anyways. Uh, You are dumb. By the time that you discovered me upon the moor, I had a complete knowledge of the whole business, of course. Why? I don't know. It's not plausible. But I had uh, not a case which could go to a jury. Even the Stapleton's attempt upon Sir Henry that night, which ended in the death of an unfortunate convict, did not help us much in proving murder against our man. There seemed to be no alternative but to catch him red-handed. And to do so, we had to use Sir Henry, alone and apparently unprotected as bait. Oh, we did so. And at the cost of a severe shock to our client, we succeeded in completing our case and driving Stapleton to his destruction. That Sir Henry uh, should have been exposed to this, I must confess a reproach of my management. Oh my God, this book will never end. In the case where we had no means of foreseeing the terrible and paralyzing spectacle of the beast presented, where we could predict the fog, which enabled it. You should use a glass wall. That's so you can stop the fog. Uh, to burst upon which the short notice. Oh, we succeeded in our object to the cost of which both the specialist Dr. Mortimer assure me will be a temporary one. A long journey may enable our friend to recover not only from our shattered nurse, but also from the wounded feelings. <gasps> His love for the lady was deep and sincere, and he was at the saddest part of this black business that we should be able to see by <sighs> It only remains to indicate the part which we had played throughout. There can be no doubt that Stapleton exercised an influence over which her uh, may have been love, or may have been fear, or very possibly both, uh, since they are by no means incompatible emotions. It was at, la- at last absolutely effective. At his command, she consented to pass his sister, though he found the limits of his power over her when he had... Inde- we already heard about this. Endured to make her a direct accessory to murder. Oh, she was already... She was ready to warn, see, warn Sir Henry so far as she could without implicating her husband. And again and again, she tried to do so. Stapleton himself seems to have been uh, capable of jealousy. And when he saw the baronet paying court to the lady, uh, even though it was part of his own plan, he could not help interrupting with a passionate outburst which revealed the fiery soul which his self-contained manners so cleverly concealed. By encouraging the intimacy, he made it certain that Sir Henry would frequently come to Merripit House, and that he could sooner or later get to the opportunity which he desired, and on that day of crisis, however, his wife turned suddenly against him, and he had learned something about the death of the convict, then he knew that the hound was being kept in the outhouse in the evening, Sir Henry coming to their dinner, which he lacks with their intended crime, with the furious scene follow which he showed her the first time, they had the rival of his love, her infidelity, her fidelity turned into an instant to a bitter hatred, and she saw that she would betray him, so he tied her up there for that, oh God, are we getting close to the end, that she might have no chance of warning Sir Henry, and that he hoped, no doubt, that with the whole countryside put down the baronet's death to the curse of the family, as they certainly would do, he would win his wife back to an accept and accomplished fact and keep silent 
upon what she knew. In this, I fancy that in any case he made a miscalculation, and that if we had not been there, his doom would nonetheless have been sealed. A woman of Spanish blood does not condone such an injury so lightly. And now, my dear Watson, without referring to my notes, I cannot give you a more detailed account of this curious case. I do not know that anything essential has been left unexplained. Please, God, let the next page be the last one. He could not hope to frighten Sir Henry's to death as he had done the old uncle with his boggy bound. With his boggy bound? An undercarriage with four or six wheels. Nah, all right, whatever. The beast was savage and half-starved. If its appearance did not frighten its victim to death, it at least would paralyze its residence, which might be offered. No doubt there only remains one difficulty. If Stapleton came unto succession, how could he explain the fact that he, eh, the heir, had been living unannounced under another name for so close to the property? I thought the same thing. And how could he claim it without causing suspicion and inquiry? It is a formidable difficulty, and I fear that you ask too much when you expect me to solve it. The past and the present are within the field of my inquiry, uh, but uh, what a man may do in the future is a hard question to answer. Mrs. Stapleton has heard her husband discuss the problem on several occasions, and there were three uh, possible courses. He might claim the property from South America, establish his identity before the British authorities were there, and so obtain the fortune. My God, he won't stop talking without ever coming to England at all. Or he might adopt an elaborate disguise uh, during the short time that he might need to be in London. Or again, he might furnish an accomplice uh, with the proofs and the papers, putting him as an heir and retaining the claim upon the proportion of his income. We cannot doubt from what he knew from what he would have found in some way of the difficulty. And now, my dear Watson, we have some weeks of severe work. And from one evening, I think we may turn our thoughts into more pleasant channels, and I have a box for less Huguenots. Uh, you have heard the Disreckis. Might I trouble you then to be ready in half an hour so that we can stop at Marcini's for a little dinner on the way? The end! Oh, thank God! I'm never reading another Doyle book again! With that, why don't we retire to the, uh, I don't know, smoking room? I don't know what the hell this bit is anymore. Uh, we're just going to go to some other room. Let's pretend that we're not sitting in the same spot in the basement and uh, talk about this crap. today. Uh, we gotta recap the chapter. Uh, guy who's an heir to the house wants to kill off everyone that's getting in his way. Burp. That's not my fault. That's the, the vaccine. Um, so, yeah, he gets a dog and kills everyone. I don't understand how the dog is starved to go attack, but then doesn't eat anyone. You'd think he'd be, like, mauled and eaten. She just kind of scares him to death and walks away. To what? Not eat later? Doesn't make any sense. Uh, and then uh, he gets rid of most people except for one last one. And then, uh, yeah, the question of what's he going to do? Uh, say, hey, it turns out I've been a Baskerville this whole time. Yeah, you can tell by my jaw. But um, that Baskerville jaw. But uh, now uh, Holmes tries to kind of explain what he might do. And I kind of lost interest and don't give a shit. Uh if anything, I feel bad for the dog that's, I think, wearing a mask with, like, a mouth that's got burning eyes and a face. The poor thing's just running around, uh, just terrified and hungry. Um, 
Maybe it's wearing a mask. I don't know. Maybe that explains the reason why he didn't eat anyone, because it can't. There's nothing he can eat. How's he smelling these people he's chasing if there's burning shit on its face? Probably can't. But, uh, you know, the guy with the 190 IQ, he's smarter than me. Uh, uh, what's good? Uh, the book's done. Maybe it's not that the book sucks so much that it's just not a book you should read out loud. I'm kind of wondering if that's the deal. This isn't a book you should read to somebody else with your mouth. You're supposed to just kind of ingest it quietly and just not think about it. Uh, uh, what sucks? Eh, well, like I've said before, the author isn't a uh, very intelligent person. Uh, he, he tried to convince Harry Houdini that, um, you, uh, actually can do magic, uh, but you just don't even realize it. Even though Houdini's like, I can literally show you how I do my magic tricks. I'm, I'm doing magic tricks. There's rules behind it. There's a thing. I'm hiding stuff in my sleeve. That's why it, it, he's like, no, 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 no. You, you're doing magic. You're a magic man. Uh, which is a dumb conversation to have when you're talking to someone. It's like me saying, uh, uh, I don't know, if I'm the guy that takes care of the swimming pool outside, and I'm the guy, oh, I get the chlorine levels just right, and, and whatever. And they go, you're magic. And I go, well, thank you. But it's not magic. It's just science. I get the chlorine levels just right, and uh, whatever else I stick in there, pee, I don't know, whatever I do to make the pool just right for you, and the temperature. Well, you're magic. You're these magical pools of water that you lord over. Like, no, it's not magic. I literally, here's the, the giant bottle of chlorine that I dump in there every day. Like, no, 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 you don't even realize you're magic. It's stupid. Uh, also, he believed in those little girls that had the fairy photos. Uh, the fairy photos that were watercolor pictures uh, that these girls cut out from a book that he had a short story in. He literally had a short story in the same book that these girls cut the pictures out of, which means he got a copy of that book back in 1890. I don't know, whenever he did this, uh, he got a copy of it and he threw it somewhere in his library and said, I don't give a crap. And uh, and then just didn't think about it. But a man who is uh, writing about a, a highly intelligent sleuth that no detail goes past him, uh, is not smart enough to write about that kind of person. So he uh, literally has evidence right in his own library of a book that he had published, and uh, he never put two and two together because he's remember crap. He's not a smart... I'm not trying to say I would remember that if I wrote something and then somebody else tacked on a story about fairies and it had pictures in it. I'd be like, ah, I don't give a crap. But then I wouldn't claim to be able to write about a highly intelligent person that keeps track of every detail. So what you're getting here is, uh, I don't know, a person that's writing about the music stop. Now, that's back again. Because uh, I'm on a long rant right now, out of anger. Uh, a person who isn't the brightest, that once saw a teacher who is way smarter than he is, and he's smart enough to say, I should write about a character that solves crimes using the same kind of logic and the uh, acuity of mind. Uh, and then he uh, goes ahead and does it and basically creates a universe where everyone is really dumb and easy to push around. Just dumb people doing dumb stuff, which makes this average uh, Sherlock Holmes a genius. It's a one-eyed man in the world of the blind is what it's created. And uh, I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was silly and uh, it wasted my time. What do we learn? Uh... Well, as much as I've been picking on this author for um, not being the brightest guy in the world, 
who unfortunately decided to write about the brightest man in the world. Um, he's not a bad guy. Uh, I actually learned uh, from one of the fun facts, one of the more sadder fun facts, that uh, as he uh, was dying, uh, he died on Monday, July 7th, uh, 1930, in his garden, clutching a flower, and his last words were addressed to his wife, where he whispered, You are wonderful. So he's a good guy. He's a very sweet person. That's an incredibly sweet way to pass away. I'm lucky if I could do the same thing. I'm probably going to wind up dying in a Burger King, uh, just sitting there with my heart squeezing itself to death, and I'd be shouting at someone saying, malt is taking too long. I want my chocolate malt. But he died in a very nice way because he's a good person. So what are we learning from this? Uh, sure, he was a weirdo, and he wasn't the brightest person on the face of the earth who, by happenstance, decided to write about uh, the most smartest man. Uh, if anything, it just shows humanity. And humanity uh, is clumsy and uh, sloppy and imperfect, but still stumbles upon greatness. So, uh, I don't know if that made you cry. I'm not crying. I have to pee. With that, thanks for listening, and I can't wait to read something better next week. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most, where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. Tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people, not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. We can see a backlog of everything I've ever read. Uh, along with episodes from the Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a House Nuzzle. So I got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's gotta be one left. <laughs>